How I Learned to Be Jolly for Fun and Profit. Let me tell you my story. Once upon a time, there was a smart and happy boy who, at 21, had grown into a joyful, confident, and well-adjusted young man. That wasn't me. I was born in Singapore in 1970. That year, tiny Singapore was a poor, developing country with no natural resources. By the time I turned 21, Singapore had become a rich country with one of the highest per capita incomes in the world. It was the Singapore economic miracle. My family's fortune grew in tandem with the national economic miracle. My father had started his career as a 10-year-old hawker, selling wares along the streets of downtown Singapore. A few years before I was born, he joined the army to get out of poverty. When I was an infant, we were so poor, my mother resorted to eating only one and a half meals a day to conserve what little money we had. Fast forward 21 years, my father had retired from the army as a high-ranking officer and had gone on to become a wealthy business leader. When I was 12, I taught myself to program a computer, which back in 1982 was a big deal. By 15, I won my first of many national programming awards. Almost 15 years after that, when I was 29, my programming skills landed me a job as one of the earliest engineers at a small startup company called Google, which has grown a little bigger since I joined in 2000. At Google, I was so notorious for my jolliness and humor that my job title became Jolly Good Fellow, which nobody can deny. It started as a joke, but it stuck after it made the front page of the New York Times. I also did something at Google that should be quite out of character for an engineer. I led the creation of a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence course called Search Inside Yourself. It became the most popular course at Google and the subject of an international best-selling book of the same name, endorsed by the Dalai Lama and Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States. Almost overnight, I became widely recognized as an expert on topics that a geeky Asian engineer should have no business being associated with. Emotional intelligence, mindfulness, compassion, and inner joy. I spoke at the White House about developing kindness and delivered a TED Talk at the United Nations about compassion. 60 Minutes interviewed me for a story on mindfulness, and CNN did a story on my algorithm for happiness. From this story, you would think that I've always been happy. Actually, nope. In fact, I spent most of my early life on the wrong end of the happiness spectrum. Up until I was 21, I was miserable. Misery was my constant companion, and this constant companion smelled like it hadn't showered since Nixon was president. Happiness was not something that came naturally to me. It was a skill I had to learn. Happiness is highly trainable. Once upon a time, a Chinese guy went to see a fortune teller. After the fortune teller read his palms carefully, she said to him, You are miserable now, and you will continue to suffer misery until you turn 40. He asked excitedly, What happens after 40? Will my misery finally go away? And she said, No, after 40 you'll get used to it. That was not me either. Fortunately for me, my story had a much happier ending. 
I was miserable until I was 21. That year, I learned that the ability to access joy is highly trainable. I developed the skills to access joy, and I became happy. This book is about those skills so that you too can learn them and be happy. Studies suggest that people have a remarkable ability to adapt to both good and bad fortune, and that we each have a relatively stable level of happiness that we eventually return to, even after major positive and negative life events. A famous 1978 study, for example, shows that even people who won a lot of money in the lottery, or who were paralyzed in accidents, eventually returned to their average levels of happiness. A 1996 study involving twins suggests that roughly half of our happiness is associated with our genetic makeup. None of the other factors studied, including socioeconomic status, education, family income, marital status, or religiosity could account for more than 3% of the difference in people's happiness. In other words, you are born with a happiness set point that is mostly determined by your genes.